Live from historic downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania, home of founding father James Wilson, 19th century hymn writer George Duffield, 19th century gospel minister George Norcross, and sports legend Jim Thorpe. It's Iron Sharpens Iron. This is a radio platform in which pastors, Christian scholars, and theologians address the burning issues facing the church and the world today. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 tells us iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Matthew Henry said that in this passage, we are cautioned to take heed with whom we converse and directed to have in view in conversation to make one another wiser and better. It is our hope that this goal will be accomplished over the next two hours, and we hope to hear from you, the listener, with your own questions. And now, here's your host, Chris Arnson. Good afternoon, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, Lake City, Florida, and the rest of humanity living on the planet Earth who are listening via live streaming at Iron Sharpens Iron radio.com this is chris arnzen your host of iron sharpens iron radio wishing you all a happy friday on this second day of february 2024 i'm absolutely thrilled to have back on the program a regularly featured guest who is one of my favorite guests of all to interview and apparently he is also the favorite of a growing number of of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listeners outside of myself. Uh, we have today David Reese, pastor of Puritan Reformed Church in Phoenix, Arizona, and CEO of ArmoredRepublic.com. And today we're going to be addressing a theme right up my alley. I am a person, uh, you may have heard me say this before, I am a person who is prone to melancholy, as they used to say. Depression is the a term that is more frequently used in the 21st century. And uh, I uh, have an ongoing battle with this. And uh, I thank God that uh, Pastor Reese has chosen the theme, The Power of Christian Joy to Overcome Misery. It's my honor and privilege to welcome you back to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, Pastor David Reese. Brother, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. I look forward to talking through the subject. Amen. Uh, well, uh, once again, as we always do, uh, please explain or describe a Puritan Reformed Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, Puritan Reformed Church is a uh, Presbyterian church that holds to the Westminster Confession. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. It's infallible. It's sufficient. It's necessary for the good of man and the glory of God. And so our concern is to maintain the doctrine, worship, and purity. Sorry, the doctrine, worship, and government of the church according to scripture alone in its purity and without subtracting out anything so our goal is to teach the whole counsel of god uh without addition or subtraction and so we would try to take that very seriously and so uh, i'd love to see anybody uh, come check us out and to be able to see uh, what seeking to worship god carefully applying that principle looks like um, so thank you for the opportunity to explain that and uh, folks if you are living in the Phoenix, Arizona area, or perhaps you're just traveling through, or maybe you have family, friends, and loved ones that live in in, in or near Phoenix, Arizona, visit the website of Puritan Reform Church, which is PuritanPHX.com, PuritanPHX.com, 
And now, if you could also briefly explain Armored Republic, our latest advertiser on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, uh, Armored Republic, we, we, we manufacture body armor. We make the, the, the tools that we think are helpful to people uh, to be able to stay alive in a fight. And so we think about, you know, body armor is a tool of liberty, and we create tools of liberty to equip free men to defend their God-given rights against tyrants and criminals to the honor of Jesus Christ. And so when we think about body armor, we talk about how, you know, a lot of people own a rifle. And the reason you own a rifle is because it's the most effective tool that an infantryman can have to resist tyranny and to be able to rally around godly magistrates in the event of invasion or tyranny um, and also to help to restore civil order. Um, And so but at the same time, the next the second piece of equipment that you would want to think about is body armor itself and med kits. Um, the, The other thing I want to point out is. We have backpacks that people can buy that are uh, basically have armor built in to stop pistol rounds. And so you could just have body armor with you in your day-to-day activities. And, you know, pistol armor stops 95% of the rounds that are used in uh, crime. So, in other words, 95% of crimes, that the round that's used in a firearm crime uh, would be stopped by that pistol armor. So I'd encourage people to check out uh, for every day use the idea of a backpack with armor in it. And also, if you are concerned about resisting tyranny, I would encourage you to have a rifle, but to also have body armor and a med kit uh, so that you could be a useful part of those who might rally around the preservation of our rights and our Christian heritage in the event of a need to defend ourselves. Amen. And the website for Armored Republic is armoredrepublic.com, armoredrepublic.com. And you'll be hearing now, uh, I think we launched the ads yesterday, but you'll be hearing those commercials every day in Iron Sharpens Iron Radio for Armored Republic. And we not only thank God, first and foremost, for the fine folks at Armored Republic and Puritan Reformed Church in Phoenix, Arizona, but we also thank uh, Pastor Reese and those folks at those two organizations uh, for seeing fit to share the money with which God has blessed them which is God's money, uh, with us, Amen. with us, so that we can continue to exist. And I can never adequately explain in the English language how grateful I am to you folks for your kindness and generosity. Well, I'm going to... It's an honor to be... It's an honor to be able to participate in your good works that you're doing by seeking to uh, make it so that uh, pastors and theologians are able to communicate to your audience uh, the useful things out of God's Word. So we're really honored to be able to participate in that. And, uh, you know, honestly, we're the ones who get the better the, the, the deal because we get to participate in those good works with eternal rewards. So it's, uh, it's a fantastic bargain. <laughs> oh, praise God. Well, that's great to hear, brother. <clears throat> and now I'm going to give our... Uh our email address right away in the event that anybody has a question. It's chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Please give us at least your first name, your city and state, and your country of residence. But if you do have a very personal and private question to ask, and due to the nature of the subject, I could readily understand that many people who are experiencing misery uh, and there are all kinds of issues on this planet that bring misery into the lives of Christians and non-Christians alike. Uh, but uh, we have the death of loved ones. We have spouses uh, committing adultery and, and abandoning their, their their spouses. And we have people being fired from 
uh, employment they may have had for decades and, and it maybe even added to the injury, they're being fired for uh, erroneous reasons or, or wicked reasons. And we could go on and on and on why people are experiencing misery. They may have an illness that's racking them with excruciating, un- indescribable pain or they're watching a loved one experience that pain. But whatever the issue is, if you prefer to remain anonymous because of it's a personal and private issue, you may just do so. Put in the subject line that this is an anonymous question. But other than that, if you are asking general questions, give us your first name at least, city and state, and country of residence. What was it that provoked you uh, to desire to discuss this uh, this subject today? Well, you know, it's funny whether you mentioned the idea of, of having a melancholic nature. And I think a lot of the times, uh, a lot of people who are gifted in a sort of prophetic way, and what I mean by that is uh, people who are thinkers about doctrine, um, I, I, you know, if, if you focus on sort of a trying to ask why types of questions or examining the meanings of the things and if you start to interact with people on a regular basis, you know, so often people, um, people betray people. I do things that are that are hurtful. And I think people that really care about um, trying to accomplish goals, uh, trying to build positive relationships, and really ask why types of questions really tend towards uh, a suffering in the form of a type of melancholy. And we have to argue with ourselves, with ourselves, we have to preach with ourselves, uh, you know, against those points of unbelief to be able to restore joy. Um, and, you know, the psalmist says in Psalm 51, you know, the, David says the, you know, there's this prayer to restore the joy of salvation. Sin brings it on so often. So I, I often find just the difficulties of, of life in a fallen world um, to cause me to have to battle with that myself. And I remember before I had an assurance of salvation, I was really struggling with depression, um, with, with a melancholic tendency. And after I had assurance of salvation, I remember that just reducing dramatically. Um, and so I, I think that joy is a really important part of gratitude that empowers us to do good works. And I want to see Christians empowered to bear the utmost fruit, the most beautiful fruit for the glory of God. And I think joyful Christians, happy warriors, will help us to see godliness extend throughout the land and to see the knowledge of God fill the earth in a more powerful way in our lifetime. So, so I am on a personal level passionate about it, but I'm also, I believe, in terms of the corporate work of the church, it's such an important thing uh, to see uh, extended out. So, and I've run into it so often in, in the pastoral ministry. I talk to people, counsel people, and there's, there's always this, this struggle uh, with, you know, what are the, the trials of life, the difficulties of life? And so, I was meditating on this myself, and, and, and I, I just asked the Lord to restore the joy of my own salvation. And I thought, you know what? Having thought about these things, I hope that this is a, a fruit that is useful uh, to other people. Amen. Well, I think it would be wise for you to provide for us, and this may seem like a ridiculous question to many listening, but I don't think it is, especially because of the way the different ways people define things, even Christians. Uh, so if you could define joy, uh, I know that there are Christians who differentiate joy from happiness. And, uh, you know, they they may think that joy uh, always just means that you have a 
beaming ear to ear toothy grin on your face and you are <laughs> always have a joyful lilt or an enthusiastic or laughter filled lilt in your voice and uh, they say that's what joy is it's just like being happy but do you have a different uh, a different way to define that yeah so i think that happiness um has to do with it's connected to uh, the idea of, of of satisfaction contentedness um and it's related to hope um and and so it's not identical to those things and so uh, what I want to do is I want to give you first a definition for joy and then talk about happiness itself uh, a little bit more there. So I'm going to say joy, joy is, joy is a stable happiness. Joy is a lasting happiness. Happiness is not just a sense of pleasure, but instead this idea of contentedness, the idea that, that you that you believe you have what is good. Okay, so happiness, and this is, this is what I would give as a definition for happiness that distinguishes it from other things. It's a mental state of, of contentedness, of satisfaction, that is based upon believing that you have what is good. So to shorten that up, happiness is the effect of getting what you think is good. Now, Happiness can be based upon a lie. And so the thing that distinguishes joy from happiness would be this idea that joy is a lasting happiness. And so we can be happy because we think we're about to get some pleasure, some physical pleasure. We can be happy because we think we're increasing in power. We can be happy because we think we're increasing in money. We can be happy because we're getting whatever thing we, we think is good. But if we if we have a happiness that is based upon thinking something is ultimately the best thing, the good, and in reality it's not, what's going to happen is we're going to become disillusioned. And as we are disillusioned, we will find that we, we suffer from a, a misery, a despair, a despondency that comes out of that. And so I want everybody to know you cannot seek happiness by itself. Happiness is itself the effect of getting what you think is good. And the only way to stably think that what you're getting is good is to have certainty about what is good and how to get it. Amen. And uh, obviously we must include as a part of our conversation today, a uh, primary text of scripture in James's epistle, James chapter one, two through four, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, if you would care to exegete that. Absolutely. So, so suffering is not antithetical to, to joy, right, from that text. And so that text is teaching us that we can go through suffering in this life and at the same time realize that that suffering is bringing about our good. So the Bible so often emphasizes the theme that there is suffering that occurs for us and God uses it for our good. So when we, when we suffer, suffering comes for two 
reasons um, for the believer. And actually, so there's three reasons. One reason that applies to those who are, for example, demons or reprobate that God has not chosen to extend grace to. Um, you, you, those people, they suffer for the sake of a punishment. Okay? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deserved thing. But for those who are saved, for those who are elect, uh, whether regenerate or unregenerate, ultimately God is seeking the good of those people. He's, and, and so the, the suffering that occurs is either for the purpose of testing, which when you suffer for righteousness' sake, the result is that God blesses that. He rewards it in this life, but he also rewards it. That, that generally happens. He generally rewards it in this life, but he certainly, 100% of the time, always rewards it at the judgment. And so God rewards faithfulness normally in this life and always at the judgment. And so testing results in that. Now, if we fail a test, what God does is he brings discipline. And so discipline is the other reason why we can suffer. And so when God brings suffering into the life of a Christian because of sin, it's not because he hates you. It's because he loves you. And he's bringing that suffering like a father brings discipline to a son for the sake of training you in righteousness, that you might enjoy the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And that includes all of the joys of, of a clear conscience and seeing the glory of God and increasing in knowledge and, and, and having your way to come like a highway as opposed to a hedge of thorns, as well as the blessings that occur in the day of judgment. And so James there is talking to us about this idea that we should count it joy when trials come, when tests come, because those are opportunities for us to glorify the Lord in powerful ways and also an opportunity for us to see blessedness occur in increased ways in this life and to see greater reward in the day of judgment. So those are opportunities when we receive suffering and we go through that trial where it glorifies the Lord. That is a, an opportunity uh, that we can grab hold of. Now, uh, don't we have to tread lightly when we take a biblical truth like this and we're not using it in our own mind and heart and life to encourage ourselves? We walk into a hospital room or we walk into somebody's living room where some kind of a nightmare has just occurred, a death uh, an illness, uh, terminal illness, divorce, whatever the case may be. And there are Christians, I hope I'm not sinning in saying this, but there are Christians who are knuckleheads. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't think I'm sinning because I didn't mention anybody by name. But there are, there are Christians, and I've, I've encountered them, who may walk into your room. I've you... been them. <laughs> and I probably have been, too where you walk into the room with the big smile and you say, turn that frown upside down. What are you so despondent about? What are you frowning for? Come on, the Lord's in control. And, you know, you, you act as if, uh, you know, you are impervious to the kind of pain that the person you're trying to help is experiencing. Uh, and you're really telling that person, your faith isn't as strong as mine, brother or sister. I mean, can't we be idiots when it comes to these kinds of things? Oh, absolutely. And that's such an amazing point. Thank you for bringing that up. Because 
you know, the, the scriptures tell us to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, you know, if we, if, we, if we sing a song to somebody with a heavy heart, it's a curse to them. You know, uh, the timing of things is so important. And so if we go in and try to say, hey, here's the thing that I should be applying to myself when I'm suffering, and I'm going to try to jam it down your throat, what we're often doing is actually breaking the law of God. Because what we're commanded, instead, when we, when we walk in and we see our brother grieved, over something that they have a legitimate basis to be grieved about, we should grieve with them. And, and after we have grieved with them and after we have, have sought to acknowledge the reality of the loss for them, we, we can then begin to help to, there's sort of an order of operation here. And the order of operation, you know, assuming you don't have some immediate need to deal with something, right? Assuming you're not in some emergency situation where you've got to get them to operate or function immediately. Um, what you would normally do is you would first console by, by acknowledging the, the loss. Then you would begin to um, seek to remind them that this is, you know, that this is, um, this is not um, something that the Lord has abandoned them, right? So as opposed to immediately going into, you know, you know, the Lord brought this into your life and it's for your good. There's an intermediary step of saying, you know, the Lord has not done this to you out of hate. He, the Lord has not abandoned you and I have not abandoned you. And, you know, this, this idea of, of appealing to that, and I would say, then normally people who are Christians, you know, they've, they've been catechized by the scriptures in this and they will, they will then finish the thought almost for you and go, I know the Lord has done this for my good and, um, and I want to try to come out of this. So it often finish it that way, but the idea of gradually rising to that, um, and the listening portion and the acknowledgement of the harms should occur for a significant period of time, depending on the level of the loss. And so, you know, the friends of Job came to him and were silent for days and, and sat with him. Right. And, and so uh, th that was a huge loss of the loss of children and wealth and health. Um, th those are all great blessings of the Lord. And to have them all taken um, was something that was a huge loss. And so spending you know, days in mourning with him uh, was an appropriate and amazing act of self-control. Because, I mean, frankly, when somebody else loses things, it, we don't tend to feel them as harshly as they do. And so to spend days mourning with a person is actually a, a very powerful uh, act of self-control but they and didn't so, they didn't maintain uh, that self-control though did they? <laughs> they they seem they seemed to uh not control their lips as well when they were talking as when they weren't talking which it seems to be a problem amongst the race of man um elihu did pretty well uh the things the things that he said uh were, were right the fourth the fourth speaker the younger guy uh and and job many of the things that he said but you know the lord the lord when he comes in and, and speaks to them uh, you know, obviously reemphasizes this idea that he knows why he does the things that bring us suffering. And it is, it has to do with us growing in the knowledge of it. And, and, and so anyway, so that was a long answer to your question. Sorry, but just, yeah, I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And we want to avoid being somebody who comes in and brazenly rejoices when other people are weeping. Yeah. And, uh, even somebody who has solid theology can misapply it and twist it. I can still remember, and I loved this dear brother. He's in heaven now. 
But there was this wonderful deacon in the congregation where I was saved. And uh, my mom, uh, Virginia, was diagnosed in 1995 with pancreatic cancer. And Mm. that would ultimately take her life within six weeks of getting the diagnosis. But before, before she passed, and by the way, I just want to quickly add, Praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. She made it abundantly clear on her deathbed, weeks before passing, six weeks at least before passing, that she was trusting in the finished work of Christ alone for her salvation. And she renounced prayer to Mary and the saints, was praying directly to Christ Jesus. Oh, wow. And uh, so it was uh, a, a gift-wrapped present from God to me and to her uh, to to know this. But but this uh, before my mom passed, I, I can remember this deacon approaching me, and he saw that I was despondent at a prayer meeting, and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, "Brother, just remember, it's wrong for you to want your mother to live if it's God's will for her to die." And I said, mm. yeah, but she's still alive. <laughs> How do I know that it's God's will for her to die yet? <laughs> you know. Uh, so, I mean, even if we have our understanding of the sovereignty of God uh, correct, we can say stupid things in the, in the way we are trying to convey that message. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure that was a very painful thing at the time, you know, heaping keeping guilt onto a person, um, you know, when they're, when they're suffering, um, you have to be very careful. Sometimes when people are suffering or when they're grieving, it's a valuable time to remind them of their, of their need for Christ, but how you do that is difficult. Right. And, that, and that's the hard thing. You know, wisdom, wisdom is a rare and precious thing and knowing how to say things, you know, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And, and it's, it's a valuable thing. It's a, it's a rare thing. And so uh, oftentimes we do find that that people speak truths in ways that are, that are hurtful, that are unseasonable, that are, that are, that are difficult. And at the same time, you know, we're all going to do that kind of thing. We're all, we're all the, we're all that guy sometimes. And, and you already mentioned, you know, this guy was a deacon that was a, a blessing to the church. He was a useful man. And so he did many good works, and then he also just blundered, right? Right. And so we're all, we're all going to do that. And thankfully, those blunders are a part of what Christ has paid for. Um, and, and so I also I want to encourage you, know, if you have – I, I imagine most of the listeners who are hearing that are immediately thinking of the various things they regret having said to people. Um, and so I want to remind them that they're, you know, forgiven in Christ for that and encourage them to seek to honor the Lord better by speaking a word seasonably uh, as opposed to speaking in a way that is unhelpful. We're going to our first commercial break. And once again, if you have a question, send it to chrisarnson at gmail.com. Don't go away. We're going to be right back after these messages. Armored Republic exists to equip free men with tools of liberty to defend God-given rights against the twin threats of tyranny and chaos. If you own a rifle to resist tyrants and criminals, then you should own body armor and a med kit for the same reasons. A rifle stops evil, body armor and a med kit keep you in the fight and preserve your life. Armored Republic is a body of free craftsmen united to create tools of liberty. We are honored to be your armorsmith of choice. 
Civilian ownership of body armor is about increasing decentralized power and by comparison, reducing the advantages of centralized power. The danger of centralized power is often represented by the word king. As Americans, we hate the word king applied to any mere man. We are armored republic. And in a republic, there is no king but Christ. Arm yourself with tools of liberty at armoredrepublic.com. Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church, a Christ-centered, gospel-driven church looking to spread the gospel in the southwest portion of Long Island, New York, and play our role in fulfilling the Great Commission, supporting and sending for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're delighted to be a part of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron Radio advertising family. At Lindbrook Baptist Church, we believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God inerrant in the original writings, complete as the revelation of God's will for salvation, and the supreme and final authority in all matters to which they speak. We believe in salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. This salvation is based upon the sovereign grace of God, was purchased by Christ on the cross, and is received through faith alone, apart from any human merit, works, or ritual. Salvation in Christ also results in righteous living, good works, and appropriate respect and concern for all who bear God's image. If you live near Lindbrook, Long Island, or if you're just passing through on the Lord's Day, we'd love to have you come and join us in worship. For details, visit lindbrookbaptist.org. That's L-Y-N-Brookbaptist.org. This is Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church reminding you that by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Lord bless you in the knowledge of himself. Hello, I'm Phil Johnson, Executive Director of Grace to You with John MacArthur been a frequent guest on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, and I highly recommend this show. But today I want to tell you about one of its advertisers, Rare Document Traders. Far and away, my favorite source for quality Charles Spurgeon memorabilia. Are you looking for that special, unique gift for your pastor or missionary friend or a loved one? Why not purchase a piece of church history that any believer would cherish? Rare Document Traders is your one-step source for Spurgeon's handwritten manuscripts and letters, as well as other rare books and collectible items from church history. In 15 years that they've been in business, they've earned a stellar reputation in the Reformed community with thousands of satisfied customers all around the world, including me. Visit raredoctraders.com today. That's raredoctraders.com. Don't forget to mention you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. That's raredoctraders.com. Iron Sharpens Iron Radio praise God for the generous monthly financial support of Royal Diadem Jewelers educated by and affiliated with the American Gem Society Jewelers of America and 
the Gemological Institute of America. For the perfect custom-designed engagement ring or any one-of-a-kind piece of jewelry created exactly according to your imagination and specifications, Royal Diadem Jewelers has you covered. No matter where you live in the world, Royal Diadem will walk you step-by-step through every stage of the process and even hold a high-tech internet virtual visit using state-of-the-art jewelry design technology to serve you. They start by listening carefully to determine your needs. They're interested in making what you want, not what they want to sell you. From rough design to digital model, to photorealistic image, to wax prototype model, to the finished product, they're continually listening to your input, likes and dislikes, making any changes necessary along the way. This will ensure that your custom jewellery will turn out exactly as you dreamed and well beyond your expectations. Visit royaldiadem.com. That's royaldiadem.com today. Sterling Vanderwerker, owner of Royal Diadem Jewellers, his wife Bronnie, his business partner and manager Brian Wilson, and the entire family thank you all for listening to, praying for, and supporting the work of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And please don't forget, folks, royaldiadem.com is still offering Iron Sharpens Iron Radio the mind-blowing opportunity to receive 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry to an Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listener simply by that listener saying, I heard about RoyalDiadem.com on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. That's all you have to do. And if you make a purchase, we will receive 100% of the profits. And keep in mind, this is on top of the generous monthly financial support that RoyalDiadem.com automatically is already doing. So they're adding on to their blessing to us by giving us 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry to one of our listeners as long as they mention this program. Please, if you have any intention on purchasing a piece of jewelry, maybe it's for Valentine's Day, maybe it's for popping the question, you're getting engaged, maybe it's for your anniversary or whatever the situation may be, maybe you're buying something for yourself, well, please contact royaldiadem.com today and at least get the ball rolling on your purchase and mention Iron Trip and Zion Radio to further ensure that we will receive 100% of the profits from the sale because we have no idea when RoyalDiadem.com is going to pull the plug on this offer. So go to RoyalDiadem.com today and mention Iron Trip and Zion Radio. We're now back with David Reese, pastor of Puritan Reformed Church in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's also the CEO of Armored Republic And uh, we have a very important topic today that should be something uh, of universal interest in our audience, and that is the power of Christian joy to overcome misery. And we do have Campbell in Wisconsin, Long Island, New York, who has a question for you. Campbell says, I am thoroughly reformed and am vehemently and vociferously opposed to the heresies of the Word of Faith movement, which says that any time a person who is a professing Christian is experiencing some kind of misery or trial, it is all because of their lack of faith in some measure. While I discount that as being a lie from the devil, do not we as Christians need to consider when we are going through a trial whether or not it is our sin 
that is bringing this upon our lives? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And the answer is yes. The short answer is yes, absolutely. And so the Lord does bring discipline in his providence to care for his people. Um, he brings suffering as a chastisement to bring about repentance and to cause us to stop and think. Okay, so the first response to suffering, if we don't have an, if there's some immediate duty, right? If you're, if you're in a situation where, you know, suffering like there's a car accident or whatever, and you've got somebody you got to give medical attention to, okay, well, your immediate duty is to make sure you do the work of necessity of making sure you to preserve life or, or whatever. But, but after you have, you, you've removed yourself from some sort of immediate urgent duty, we need to stop and think. Suffering is always a call to stop and think. There's, there's the, we need to first go, okay, examine ourselves. Is there some sin unrepented of that I need to put off? And then secondly, uh, that, that, that includes the idea of, of the covenanted in, in institutions that we're part of. So is there a way that I as an individual need to repent of sin? Is there a way that my family or household needs to? Is there a way that my church needs to? Is there a way that our civil order or state needs to? You find in the scriptures that there's covenantal responsibility associated with all four of the covenant institutions. There's blessing and cursing based upon uh, what is done in the state, the church, the household, and on an individual basis. And so we absolutely need to stop and think about that. The other thing is sometimes we have a trial that comes upon us, some sort of suffering that comes upon us, not because of our particular sin or some, some particular thing we're being disciplined for, but simply because it is an opportunity to glorify God. And so that those two, and in either case, we want to stop and think and, and, and do what glorifies God, either by repenting or by handling the trial well. And so, you know, when someone undergoes suffering well, joyfully, to the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ, it powerfully causes people to stop and think themselves and to examine that and to consider, why do you have this hope? What is it that makes it so that you can bear up under this? And they then ask you what is talked about in Peter. They ask you about the hope that you have within you. And so you need to be ready to give an answer to that. Um, and so, so, yes, we need to stop and think and examine ourselves, absolutely. Okay, thank you so much for the excellent question. And we have, let's see, I was just looking at it. Uh, we have a Gabriel in Gaines County, Texas. And uh, Gabriel asks, when we are going through a trial, is it a sin to be angry with God? It is always sin to be angry with God. It is, anger itself is not sin. Anger is a gift from God to give us strength to overcome evil, to overcome wickedness, to be able to do our duty in the face of danger. Anger is appropriate for a person who is fighting for his life or for the life of someone else to seek to defend the innocent against the actions of the wicked. Anger is the desire for justice. It, anger is an effect of the desire for justice when, when you believe there's been an injustice done. And here's the important part of this. God never commits injustice. If God kills a man, it is not murder. If God takes your property, it is not theft. 
there is nothing that God can do to you that is unjust on God's part. I deserve to be in hell, and so do you. Every one of us deserves to be in hell. So we deserve everlasting, intense suffering as punishment. And so we, by you know, those of us who are elect by the mediation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive mercies, and we receive a part of that is our enjoyments in this life, and God using those things for our good. But our suffering is even for our good. And so to say that God is unjust would be wicked. So we have no right to ever be angry with God. We must instead, we have to condemn self and justify God. So when we justify God, when we call him just, when we acknowledge his justice, his goodness, his righteousness, his, his right to bring about any suffering that comes upon us, we, we justify God rather than calling him wicked. And we need to be careful to do that and to avoid, even in our thoughts, condemning God. And so anger towards God would be that. And so I, I think we have to be very careful um, of, to, to avoid anger toward God. The other thing I would say is, is sometimes we get mad at inanimate objects um, or animals or things like that. The only things that are appropriate to be angry at actually are, are men and angels. And so we should be angry toward demons. And it's appropriate sometimes to have anger towards other human beings. And we need to be careful to properly deal with that. And being angry towards a brother without a cause is sin. And when there is a repentance, we're supposed to, you know, part of that is we need to make sure that, that anger is not retained. And so a part of forgiveness is making sure that anger does not continue towards a person uh, when they've gone through proper biblical repentance, which requires them, by the way, to accept consequences including restitution or other lawful things that need to be done or the acknowledgement of the right of certain actions, like in the case of infidelity, something like uh, you know, divorce. Um, so the, the acknowledgement of legitimate, of legitimate consequences is a part of a proper repentance. And when someone accepts the consequences and pays what's owed there uh, in a human-to-human way, you can't pay for your own sins, but towards your, your proper repentance towards your brother, uh, then when that's a given as a part of the repentance, continued anger is sinful. Amen. And we have Carolina, uh, who lives in a town that's very ironic because of our subject today. Carolina in carefree Arizona. (laughs) And uh, Carolina asks, when we are approaching somebody in the midst of misery, and we know that it was their own lifestyle and disobedience that brought their misery upon them, how do we demonstrate tenderness and compassion without neglecting the truth of the matter that their own sins caused their situation, such as someone with AIDS who received that illness because of promiscuous sex, or somebody who is the driver in a drunk driving accident and perhaps is on their deathbed because of the injuries. How do we approach them wanting them to repent and receive Christ without heaping injury upon injury? That's a good question. Um, so I think the, the thing that's, that's difficult is taking blame and applying it personally is likely to result in, um, to result in strong emotional reactions. And sometimes that can be good or useful. 
Um, but the but the thing the thing is, if somebody is suffering, I think, and, and it's a consequence of their sinful actions, it's oftentimes helpful to to talk to them with a sort of assumed guilt. What I don't mean there, what I'm not saying is that it's wrong to bring the law to bear. You, you can look at, there might be, especially if there's hardness of heart or the person isn't acknowledging any sort of failure. Uh, sometimes even in the midst of suffering, it's necessary to say, do you understand that this is something that is a result of evil action? You know, if people, if people show a glibness or a hardness of heart, they need to be humbled. Um, but if they are, if they're humbled and if there's a, if some sort of acknowledgement of, of guilt or sense of like, failure the thing to, to bring when there's when there's some sort of a humbled condition is to then bring the gospel to talk about how you know first of all we have all failed and Christ pays for the sins of those who believe him all those who have faith are those who have had the sin paid their sin paid for by Christ and so there's a solution to the guilt of sin but there's also a solution to misery that Christ removes our enslavement to sins. He, he removes the power of sin by degrees, and he can restore what the locusts have eaten, and he can give to us an eternal weight of glory and joy that even as the flower fades in this life, there is a glory to come, and there is a resurrection. And so... There is a condition that goes beyond this. There is a hope beyond this. And so there is, there is loss and there's destruction in this. But we, we were made by a God who resurrects the dead. And so even in the midst of deadness and loss, he is the God that restores. He is the God that raises the dead. And so I would encourage a person to look to Christ to not only deal with the guilt of the situation, but to also remove the mess and to remove the, mystery, the misery and, and, and to realize that even if it doesn't occur in this life, that all suffering will be removed for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in the glorified state upon death and also that in the resurrected state, there will be no tears left. They will all be wiped away. There will be no ongoing suffering there. So I, I think I would want to point them to the power of Christ to resolve the problems, to take away the guilt and to take away the power of sin, and then to furthermore restore and resurrect and to be able to provide. So I think pointing people forward to hope, having a confident desire that will be fulfilled in Christ if they believe in him. You know, that question uh, reminded me of something that happened uh, to me when I was an a new Christian. I was in my 20s, and I found out that the family doctor who who delivered most of my siblings and myself, uh, in fact, uh, I believe it might have been when my mother was pregnant with me, the doctor actually had a cot in the hospital room and slept there overnight to make sure everything was going to work out well because my mom was in her either late 30s or early 40s when she was having me. But um, I remember when I found out that my doctor had cancer, lung cancer, I wrote out a card to him 
and included in the envelope a booklet, J.C. Ryle's Sickness. And my dad said, what are you doing? What are you writing? I said, oh, I'm writing a letter or I have written a note in a card to Dr. Bradley because he has cancer. And he said, well, what would you say? And I and I'm just going by memory here, but I said something to the effect of, dear Dr. Bradley, my family has nothing but the fondest memories of you. But now as you are facing what could be the end of your life, I want you to know that whether you are a very religious man or whether you are an evil man, everyone needs to repent and turn to Christ in order to be saved. You could be trusting in your own goodness, and that is just as bad as living an openly evil life. So please repent and turn to Christ if you have not already. I do hope to see you in in eternity in heaven. And my father got upset. He said, what are you writing that for? The man has cancer. You're just going to make him more upset. And I said, well, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm a Christian, and I think this is very important. So about a year later, Dr. Bradley died. I went to the wake, as I don't know if they call them that everywhere in the United States, but that's the viewing uh, where you have the coffin in the room at the funeral home. And um, uh, one of his daughters, who knew who I was, came up to me and thanked me for being there. And she she said, I want to introduce you to my sister. She introduced me to her sister, and she said, this is my friend Chris Arnzen. And she said, what is your name? I said, Chris Arnzen. And she said, did you give my father a card with a very long note in it and a, and a little booklet? I said, yeah. And she said, did you know that for the past year that has been on his nightstand uh, and he, it was there until the day he died? So that blew me away. And wow. I, I, I made it clear. I made it, I made it a point to tell my father that. But, <laughs> but, you know, we have these fear and we have this fear and trembling that, Oh, no, I'm going to offend somebody by telling them the truth about eternity. And we don't know uh, how they're going to react. They may react in an exact opposite way than we fear. And, and, and that's, that's, oh, sorry. And, and, and I was just going to say, and, and that is not the ultimate reason what, that we give somebody the gospel. Even if they yell at us and curse us, we still have to do it. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, and that's beautiful. And. And as a, as a young man, you know, you, you know, you had God-given boldness and courage to express that truth. And I, and I think so often we are so worried about finding the perfect time to communicate truths from God that we fail to do it. And that's why I'd rather, I'd rather be around people who are overzealous and say the truth like a knucklehead, you know, too hard, too often, um, and have to pull them back and teach them to be restrained more than to be around people who are always restrained and never speak the truth. Now, now, both of them, both of them are failings, but what we want is to see boldness and zeal done with beauty in wisdom, right? We want, we want a wise boldness and, and, and that's, that's so rare and so hard to find. And, and I think many people would read, you know, that note that you said and think it was a knucklehead type of move. And I don't think it was, but I think we, you know, our knuckleheadometers are, are are poorly tuned, and we think any plain statement of the truth is is sort of brazen, right? And and and, and I think 
what we need is the tendency of our age is to be uh, is to be timid about the truth in ways that are unhelpful. Right. And so when people are suffering, there's an excellent opportunity to minister to them and to speak words. So I want to emphasize the importance of taking risk to say things. And if you blow it, right, if, if you realize after you've said it that you were too harsh or it was the wrong timing, okay, re repent and, and let them know that, but let them know, that, you know, I think this is true. I think I should have said it better. Or I should have said it at a better time, but I said it because I love you and I'm trying to know how to speak these words to you. And I'm, you know, I'm a mortal man with many failings seeking to see you, a friend, uh, someone I love, to, to get the thing I love, to get the truth. And I'm seeking your good, you know, and, 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 and so I think that idea of being able to come back, if we, if we have a humble attitude, um, oftentimes we can be bold. And if we've failed, done the wrong thing at the wrong time, our humility can be used to salvage much. Um, if we're only willing to examine ourselves. And so I think that, that, that's a great example that you gave there. And I know I have a bunch of stuff I want to go into. I don't know how much time we have before we have to go to the next, uh, actually, next break. Actually, we have to go into the break now. And when we come back, I will hold off on any listener questions until you uh, bring forth the most important things that you have there. Uh, and uh, please, folks, be patient with us. The middle break is always a little longer. Then the other breaks, Grace Life Radio, 90.1 FM in, in Lake City, Florida, requires of us a longer break in the middle of the show because the FCC requires of them to localize this program geographically to Lake City, Florida, where they're located. And they do so with their own public service announcements. While they air those public service announcements, we, on the other hand, simultaneously air our globally heard commercials. Use this time wisely. Respond to many as many of our advertisers as you can so that you can let them know that their money is well spent on Iron Trip and Zion Radio. We need our advertisers to exist, folks. And also send in your questions to Pastor David Reese, to Chris Arnson at gmail.com. We'll be right back. Puritan Reformed is a Bible-believing, kingdom-building, devil-fighting church. We are devoted to upholding the apostolic doctrine and practice preserved in Scripture alone. Puritan Reformed teaches men to rule and lead as image-bearing prophets, priests, and kings. We teach families to worship together as families. Puritan is committed to teaching the whole counsel of God so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. We sing the Psalms, teach the law, proclaim the gospel, make disciples, maintain discipline, and exalt Christ. This is Pastor David Reese of Puritan Reformed in Phoenix, Arizona. Join us in the glorious cause of advancing Christ's crown and covenant over the kings of the earth. Puritan Reformed Church. Believe. Build. Fight. PuritanPHX.com It's such a blessing to hear from Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners from all over the world. Here's Joe Riley, a listener in Ireland, who wants you to know about a guest on the show he really loves hearing interviewed, Dr. Joe Moorcraft. I'm Joe Riley, a faithful Iron Sharpens Iron radio listener here in Atoy in County Kildare, Ireland, going back to 2005. 
One of my very favourite guests on Iron Sharpens Iron is Dr. Joe Moorcraft. If you've been blessed by Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, Dr. Moorcraft and Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, are largely to thank since they are one of the program's largest financial supporters. Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming is in Forsyth County, a part of the Atlanta metropolitan area. Heritage is a thoroughly biblical church, unwaveringly committed to Westminster standards, and Dr. Joe Moorcraft is the author of an eight-volume commentary on the larger catechism. Heritage is a member of the Hanover Presbytery, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and tracing its roots and heritage back to the great Protestant Reformation of the 16th century. Heritage maintains and follows the biblical truth and principles proclaimed by the reformers. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and God's glory alone. Their primary goal is the worship of the triune God that continues in eternity. For more details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, visit heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. That's heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. Or call 678-954-7831. That's 678-954-7831. If you visit, tell them Joe Riley, an Iron Sharpens Iron radio listener from a toy in County Kildare, Ireland, sent you. Hi, this is John Sampson, pastor of King's Church in Peoria, Arizona, taking a moment of your day to talk about Chris Arnzen and the Iron Sharpens Iron podcast. I consider Chris a true friend and a man of high integrity. He's a skilled interviewer who's not afraid to ask the big penetrating questions while always defending the key doctrines of the Christian faith. I've always been happy to point people to this podcast knowing it's one of the very few safe places on the internet where folk won't be led astray. I believe this podcast needs to be heard far and wide. This is a day of great spiritual compromise, and yet God has raised Chris up for just such a time. And knowing this, it's up to us as members of the body of Christ to stand with such a ministry in prayer and in finances. I'm pleased to do so, and would like to ask you to prayerfully consider joining me in supporting Iron Sharpens Iron financially. Would you consider sending either a one-time gift or even becoming a regular monthly partner with this ministry? I know it would be a huge encouragement to Chris if you would. All the details can be found at ironsharpensironradio.com where you can click support. That's ironsharpensironradio.com. I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President Emeritus and Professor of Systematic and Applied Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Every Christian who's serious about the Reformed faith and the Westminster Standards should have and use the eight-volume commentary on the theology and ethics of the Westminster Larger Catechism titled Authentic Christianity by Dr. Joseph Moorcraft. It is much more than an exposition of the Larger Catechism. It is a thoroughly researched work that utilizes biblical exegesis as well as historical and systematic theology. Dr. Moorcraft is pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, And I urge everyone looking for a biblically faithful church in that area to visit that fine congregation. For details on the eight-volume commentary, go to westminstercommentary.com, westminstercommentary.com. For details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, visit heritagepresbyterianchurch.com, heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. 
Please tell Dr. Moorcraft and the saints at Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, that Dr. Joseph Piper of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary sent you. Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005, the publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. This is Daryl Bernard Harrison, co-host of the Just Thinking Podcast, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Tom Buck of First Baptist Church of Lindell, Texas, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Kent Keller of Faith Bible Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Andrew Rappaport, the founder and executive director at Striving for Eternity Ministries, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Mark Romaldi, pastor of Sovereign Grace Church of Greenbrier, Tennessee, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Christopher Cookston, pastor of Prineville Community Church in Prineville, Oregon, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Matt Tarr, pastor of High Point Baptist Church in Larksville, Pennsylvania, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order. Hello, my name is Anthony Uvinio, and I'm one of the pastors at Hope Reform Baptist Church in Quorum, New York, and also the host of the ReformRookie.com website. I want you to know that if you enjoy listening to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show like I do, you can now find it on the Apple's iTunes app by typing Iron Sharpens Iron Radio in the search bar. You no longer have to worry about missing a show or a special guest because you're in your car or still at work. Just subscribe on the iTunes app and listen to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show at any time, day or night. Please be sure to also give it a good review and pass it along to anyone who would benefit from the teaching and the many solidly reformed guests that Chris Arnzen has on the show. Truth is so hard to come by these days, so don't waste your time with fluff or fake news. Subscribe to the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio podcast right now. And while you're at it, you can also sign up for the ReformRookie.com podcast and visit our website and the YouTube page. We are dedicated to teaching Christian theology from a Reformed Baptist perspective to beginners in the faith as well as seasoned believers. From Keech's Catechism and the Doctrines of Grace to the Olivet Discourse and the Book of Leviticus, the Reform Rookie Podcast and YouTube channel is sure to have something to offer everyone seeking biblical truth. And finally, if you're looking to worship in a Reformed church that holds to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, please join us at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, New York. Again, I'm Pastor Anthony Avenio, and thanks for listening. If you love Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, one of the best ways you can help keep the show on the air is by supporting our advertisers. One such faithful advertiser who really believes in what Chris Arnzen is doing is Daniel P. Patafuco, serious injury lawyer and Christian apologist. 
Dan is the president and founder of the Historical Bible Society. Their mission? To foster belief in the credibility of Scripture as the written Word of God. They go to various churches, schools, and institutions to publicly display a rare collection of biblical texts, along with a fascinating presentation by Mr. Butterfuco demonstrating the reliability of Scripture. To advance the cause of the gospel, they created a beautiful, perfect facsimile of the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the original engravings contained in a first edition 1611 King James Bible. This 17th century hand-engraved chart shows the family tree of Jesus Christ going back to Adam and Eve. This book is complete with gorgeous full-size illustrations of Noah's Ark and the Tower of Babel, and an explanation of why the genealogy of Jesus is so important for his claims to the throne of the universe. Originals of this work are in museums, and nobody has ever made it accessible to the public in a large book form before. You can have your own copy of this 44-page genealogy book for a donation of $35 or more. Visit historicalbiblesociety.org. That's historicalbiblesociety.org. Thanks for helping to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastor Bill Sasso, Grace Church at Franklin, here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. Our congregation is one of a growing number of churches who love and support Iron Sharpens Iron Radio financially. Grace Church at Franklin is an independent, autonomous body of believers which strives to clearly declare the whole counsel of God as revealed in Scripture through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the end for which we strive is the glory of God. If you live near Franklin, Tennessee, and Franklin is just south of Nashville, maybe 10 minutes, or you are visiting this area, or you have friends and loved ones nearby, we hope you will join us some Lord's Day in worshiping our God and Savior. Please feel free to contact me if you have more questions about Grace Church at Franklin. Our website is gracechurchatfranklin.org. That's gracechurchatfranklin.org. This is Pastor Bill Sasser wishing you all the richest blessings of our sovereign Lord, God, Savior, and King Jesus Christ today and always. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. 
That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And please, folks, don't forget that this is one of our primary, premier, most vital advertisers, solid-ground-books.com, and they are experiencing, unfortunately, a crisis in book sales. So I'm hoping as many of you in my Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience will come to the rescue and go to solid-ground-books.com today and make a large purchase of books if you can afford to do so. At least purchase one book. And keep in mind uh, that you're not only going to be doing solid-ground-books.com a favor if you purchase books from them, and you're not only going to be doing Iron Sharpens Iron Radio a favor by keeping one of our most important advertisers happy, you're going to be doing yourself and anyone for whom you are purchasing books from solid-ground-books.com an enormous favor of incalculable value because they bring back into print lost treasures of Christian literature from the past, dating as far back as the 16th century Protestant Reformation, some of which has not been in print for centuries. And then they also bring into print for the very first time new books by modern-day authors like Dr. James R. White of Alpha and Omega Ministries. Uh, so please go to solid-grand-books.com frequently, purchase generously, and always mention that you heard about them from Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Please visit that site today and make your purchase, solid-ground-books.com. Before I return to David Reese, I have some important announcements to make. Uh, please, folks, if you really love the show, you don't want us to go off the air, go to ironsharpensironradio.com, click support, then click, click to donate now. You can donate instantly with a debit or credit card in that fashion. If you prefer snail mail, mailing a physical check to a physical address, there will also be a physical address that appears on your screen when you click support at ironsharpensironradio.com where you can mail your checks made payable to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. If you want to advertise with us, whether it is your church, parachurch ministry, business, professional private practice like a law firm or a medical firm, or maybe it's just a special event, whatever it is, if you love the show, we would love to help you advertise with us as long as whatever it is you are advertising is compatible with what I believe. So send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put advertising in the subject line. Also remember, I, don't, I do not want anybody in my audience ever to cut into the finances that you have set aside to give to your own local church on the Lord's Day in order to bless Iron Sharpen Zion Radio with a financial gift. Please never do that. In other words, never give your own church less money than you normally do because you want to bless us with a financial gift. Also, if you're really struggling to survive, wait until you're back on your feet and more stable financially before you send us a gift. The Bible is very clear that we are primarily to use the money with which he has blessed us, which is still his money. We're primarily to use that to provide for church and family, and providing for my radio show is obviously not a command of God. But if you love the show, you don't want it to disappear, and you do have extra money for benevolent, recreational, and trivial purposes. We would love for you to share that money with us if you really love the show and want it to exist. Go to irontrippensionradio.com, click support, then click click to donate now. <clears throat> Last but not least, if you are not a member of a Christ-honoring, biblically faithful, doctrinally solid, theologically sound church, like Puritan Reformed Church in Phoenix, Arizona, 
No matter where you live on the planet Earth, I have extensive lists spanning the globe of biblically faithful churches, and I've helped many people in my audience all over the planet Earth find churches, sometimes even within just a couple of minutes from where they live. So no matter where in the world you live, if you are without a Christ-honoring, biblically faithful church home, send me an email, chrisarnson at gmail.com, chrisarnson at gmail.com, and that's also the email address to send in a question to David Reese, and we are discussing uh, the joy of the Lord overcoming misery, and once again, that is chrisarnson at gmail.com. And uh, Pastor David, if you could please uh, bring to the forefront the things that you really have pressing upon your heart about this subject. Thank you, brother. So I'm excited to be able to explain this. I think, first of all, I think it's really important to to recognize that everybody has the problem of unhappiness, right? So, so the, the search for happiness, the search for contentedness, for joy is a, is a difficult thing. And, and I want to point out that the first commandment and the 10th commandment relate to this very powerfully. The first commandment has to do with having no other gods in the sight of the true God, right? We have no other thing that we are holding as the highest good. And, and the 10th commandment has to do with not coveting, coveting, <laughs> sorry, has to do with not coveting. And uh, the idea that, that we are not supposed to have illegitimate desires. Uh, and so these things are closely related. And so what I want to, to communicate is that we think about the problem of sin. And obviously in a historical sense, since the fall of Adam obviously brings misery into the world, but on an individual level, you know, we, we, we have to deal with our unhappiness in terms of, first of all, our failure to believe what we ought to believe. And secondly, in terms of choices that are contrary to the good life. And so what we are commanded to believe is the doctrine revealed in the scriptures. And what we're commanded to do is the law of God laid out in the scriptures and those are instructions for a healthy, clean, joyful mind, the doctrine, and the commandments reveal to us the good life, the life that's fruitful and joyful. And so sin is the root problem here. And, and so sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of any law of God given as a rule to the reasonable creature. And that means this idea that if we fail to conform, the lack of conformity to what God has commanded, or a breaking of the rule, a crossing the line, a transgressing. So sometimes this is talked about in terms of sins of omission and sins of commission, right? the, the failure to perform a duty. And so we often go, oh, yeah, 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 it's obvious if I, if I violate the law of God, how that's going to make me you know, sad, upset, it's going to increase guilt, it's going to have negative consequences. But we fail to seek God. We fail to, to know him as we ought to know him. We fail to glorify him as we ought to glorify him. And so I want to say that the truth, the knowledge of God is the good. It's how we get God. Okay, so, so God's the good. He's the highest goal. He's the thing that is above everything else. He defines good. He is the good. And the way we get God, the way we possess him, is by knowing him, by, by knowing his word, by possessing the knowledge of God, we possess God. And, and the good life is the life of applying the law. Now, if we realize that the knowledge of God is the good, we need to realize that our minds are naturally full of unbelief and falsehood. We, we have ignorance and error as the default state. And so what we have to recognize is that 
all of this error is conceptual idolatry. They are idols, falsehoods, lies that are in our minds, and we're to take every thought captive to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ revealed to us in the scriptures needs to be brought to bear to knock down the statue of Dagon in our mind. And so these, these things, these, these lies, these falsehoods are strongholds of the enemy and they must be torn down. So we argue with ourselves. So, so joy comes from getting what we realize is good. And if we realize what's good is the knowledge of God, then not only do we have the enjoyment of learning new truths, the sort of like aha moment that is joyful, but also the, the reality that these truths can be meditated on, brought back to mind over and over again. And so as we think about the truth, we are able to bring it to bear against other falsehoods. And so the knowledge of God in the gospel, this realization that we have a sin problem from Adam, that's both guilt and also the passing of a corrupt nature, and we also commit particular sins, and Christ pays for our guilt so we can avoid the wrath of God, but also he is renewing us by the power of his spirit and word so that we are renewed in knowledge, holiness, and righteousness. And so he's, he's transforming us. And so this confidence that if he has saved me, then I know he's not going to let me go. So I can't lose my salvation. I can't lose the knowledge of God. It's inalienable. And he's going to cumulatively transform me across time by increasing my knowledge of the truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so we know it's the word. It's the truth of God that comes and sanctifies us. It renews us. It transforms us after the image of Christ. And so as we grow in the knowledge of the truth, not only are we getting more of God to possess, but it's going to also powerfully transform us and remove the causes of misery. So we have our communion with God restored. We have the possession of God. We have the idea of the wrath of God removed. We have penalty removed. And we're also going to more and more have the power of sin removed as we grow in the knowledge of the truth. And so when we realize, you know, our, our options are we can go waste our time chasing after thrills and pleasure and you know, whether it's, you know, the various kinds of seventh commandment violations of, of, of gluttony, uh, you know, inordinate sexual pleasure or pursuing sexual pleasure in its proper, in proper place, or, or this idea of, of drunkenness, right? Those are warned about over and over again as the types of misuse of pleasure. And we chase those things down and without any sort of truth to, to justify it, it's a meaningless action. And, and what happens is we either, as we chase pleasure, we either find that that pleasure is frustrating us because we can't get it, or if we get it consistently, we find that we become bored. And so this meaninglessness leads to boredom. And, and we start to chase down more and more excessive types of pleasures to try to figure out how to fill the void. And it leads to this excess that, that, is, that results in pain and all sorts of temporal curses. And so we find that our guilt increases. And so there's this sort of spiraling down, and we try to then, you know, cover up our guilt with, with more and more excessive displeasure. This can be true with any sort of idol where we improperly value something above God that could be power or money or any of these other things. So, so recognizing that we have lies in our mind about what's good, and those are the things that make it so we get temporary happiness chasing them down, and we become disillusioned. And so that process of disillusionment 
It's something many people just go through the cycle of replacing one false God with another, with another, with another, and going through the process of chasing the false God, getting lots of the false God, and then realizing that it's not good and it's not sufficient and not satisfying. And so they're disillusioned. And so then they either double down on their false God or they move on to a new one. And so we have to realize that the God of the Bible is not a false version of the good. He's not a failure. He is the good. He is the highest value. And so we ought to buy him and never sell him. And how do we do that? By, by getting wisdom. Right? So we buy wisdom and don't sell it. That's what we're told in Proverbs. And so the knowledge of God. Now, our misery is in the form of, of we, you know, we chase stuff, we toil, we work, and it, and it results in thorns and thistles. Right? This, this is the curses of Genesis 3, this idea that there will be strife where you know, parents and children should be you know, in a good relationship, but it's not, or the marriage should be a good marriage, but it's not, or brother and neighbor hurt each other, and so we have like a Cain and Abel situation. So there's toil, you know, fruitless work, there's strife where there's, there's fighting and, and hurting of each other. And then there's also this idea of old age, sickness, and death, right? the idea that, that our bodies are undergoing curse and that there's, there's this destruction of the body and eventually we die. And, and this misery that we undergo in this life, we, we have to see it as purposeful in terms of accomplishing the glory of God and being for our individual good. And so knowing the good and the goal that we want to see the earth filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea, and we personally want to obtain as much truth as we can, and we want to carry out acting in accordance with the knowledge of the truth in order to advance the knowledge of the truth to others, to spread the knowledge of God so that the waters, you know, that the knowledge of God fills the earth with the waters cover the sea. That idea that that's the goal. And so work becomes this thing that if we work and worship and do godly recreation in its place and rest properly, having our daily worship in the morning and the evening and keeping the Lord's Day and going and being a part of a, a, a biblical church and being able to participate in that, these, inst- these, these things become a thing where we go, this is, is, this, this is advancing a goal. And then our daily work becomes something where we're going, we need to you know, lead our families well. So all these institutions, the covenant institutions of the individual household, church, and state, these things get used properly in such a way to advance the knowledge of God. It connects. The rubber hits the road. And, and now, as opposed to just we have the knowledge of God, but we don't apply it into life, now we're, we're connecting that, and we realize that having good work to do to advance the goal and increasing the possession of what's good and sharing it with other people is something that removes despair and increases joy. And so I think very few people can find times when they were vigorously working towards a goal and were also depressed. And so the Christian is given the goal of the glory of God and also work to do. And that enjoyment of work with others, with camaraderie, is something that is a powerful thing in the Christian life. And so the joy of the Lord, the joy of our salvation, thankfulness, giving thanks to God, singing psalms of praise and giving thanks to God, acknowledging how good he is, we are preaching to ourselves that God is good and we possess him. We are preaching to ourselves that he's given us so many good things. And we are we are working with others and being around us. So there's this reinforcing element there of the camaraderie, the praise, the singing, the, 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 the thanksgiving, the, the prayer and asking God to give continued blessing, and the word of God, which gives us promises and tells us over and over again about he will not abandon us. And so all that gives us hope that we will accomplish the goal of the glory of God. So we have faith in what God has revealed. We hope 
that the goal will be accomplished of glorifying God in the earth. And that gives us power out of gratitude to love each other and to love God and to do what his, God, what his, what his, what his law commands. And so the first commandment teaches us that, that we should know God and acknowledge him to others. And the 10th commandment teaches us to be satisfied with God and what he's given to us. And so that is sort of this effort to give the 30,000-foot flyover of a systematic arrangement of thinking about how happiness, which is an effect of getting something you think is good, results in disillusionment if it's a false good or lasting happiness if you have the true good. And you need to be able to argue with yourself so that you don't allow yourself to go into despondency. Preaching to yourself, arguing against the lies of your own heart is the powerful way that you seek to nurture the joy of your own heart and to see the Lord who gave you salvation as also your joy. Amen. By the way, I don't want to detour long on this because it's not the subject at hand, but earlier on you uh, very briefly uh, quoted Proverbs twenty three twenty three by the tr- buy the truth and sell it not. Uh, do, do you agree with those uh, who interpret that? And, and just to let you know up front, I don't agree with these folks that I'm going to mention. But there are certain folks in the church who say we should never sell Bibles and books and DVDs with teaching on them uh, because of this verse. But isn't this really this verse really saying that buy the truth and don't sell it in such a manner where you don't possess it anymore. Absolutely. No. So, yeah, so this idea that we, we, we are supposed to seek to know what's true and never, never give up knowledge of the truth in exchange for something else. In other words, n- never, never, never make it so you would be alienated from it. So I might say, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to I'm not going to seek to know God more. Instead, I'm going to go do something else. Or I'm going to not seek to apply the law of God, which would deepen my knowledge of him in any situation. But instead, I'm going to seek to you know, do my own pleasure as opposed to God's pleasure. Those would be the types of selling the truth. You're you're giving up truth in exchange for something else, some false God. And so it is totally legitimate to reward teachers. It's totally legitimate to reward printers. It's totally legitimate to reward those who organize information. And so buying books and buying time from people to teach is, is, is explicitly laid out in the scriptures as something uh, to do. We, we, are, we are told that we're supposed to reward teachers, right? So, so those, those, that interpretation would make an incoherent mess of the Bible. And um, what's being said is, you know, there's never a market price at which truth is so expensive that it's not worth buying. And there's never a market price where it's better to take something else rather than the truth. And so the whole idea is you never alienate the truth from yourself. And one of the amazing things about truth is that when you share it, it actually increases your own possession of it. Nothing else is like that. If you have money and you give it to somebody else, you've lost it. You don't have as much as you did. If you, if you have you know, an object of pleasure like alcohol or whatever, and, and you, you give some to other people, you reduce the amount you can use for your own pleasure. And if you, if you have power, when you share it with somebody else, it reduces the absoluteness of your own power. But with wisdom, with knowledge, when you teach, Romans says, Paul says in Romans, you who teach, do you not teach yourself? And so there's this way in which 
our knowledge deepens as we teach it. We remember it better. We have a deeper knowledge of it. It results in discussion where we sharpen each other. And so we should absolutely share the knowledge of the truth. And people who receive spiritual blessing should give material blessing to those who share. Amen. And we have a, a listener with a wonderful name, Ephesus in Islip Terrace, New York. And Ephesus asks, can you list some great heroes of the Christian faith who battled misery and depression? Well, in terms of, in terms of misery, um, in terms of misery, it's certainly the case that if you look at um, what John Knox went through, for example, uh, you know, John Knox, uh, his great friend, uh, John Wishart, uh, he was a bodyguard of, and, uh, you know, he, he was, he was a martyred, um, uh, John Knox leaves, he gets betrayed by his church in Frankfurt. Um, uh, he, he is, um, he has a wife die. Um, he goes through all these things being pushed around and eventually comes back and has this great triumph. So the, the first of his life is him going through trial after trial after trial. And, and so you see all sorts of suffering there. You know, John Calvin, um, you know, had none of his, uh, his natural children, uh, survive to adulthood. And so he had a, a lovely wife who they had, you know, miscarriages and, and then also, uh, you know, his, his, his wife, his wife died and she was a great help to him. And he was, you know, persecuted and, you know, kicked out and all this. There's many sufferings there in, in his own life, but, he was known and, and had to go through many health trials, including very severe hemorrhoids and other problems. He died in his youth, but he worked through suffering and pain. And on his uh, deathbed, uh, he was suffering so much and so weak, people kept encouraging him over and over again to stop working. And he said, you know, would you have the Lord find me idle? You know, and, and so this idea that, you know, working through suffering because of the goal of the joy. But, you know, John Owen, for example, he had some number, some teen, some teen number of children, and all of them, uh, none, none of them lived to adulthood, um, and he watched many of them die in their childhood. So these great servants of the Lord, uh, the Covenanters themselves, uh, if you Google the Covenanters, people need to look into the Covenanters and what happened with the oh, Covenanters, yeah. because this, uh, so it's just, just people need to look into the Covenanters. Um, and, Persecuted and, and so by their this, brothers in Christ in the Anglican Church. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so there's, there's all of this the history of that. And, and Martin Luther famously, uh, <laughs> Luther, if you haven't read Luther, read Luther. Like if people need to read Luther, like the, the, the extremities of this man, right. The, the, the outbursts of joy in the gospel, the, the, the despair his you know, his misplaced hatred, his properly placed angers, his whatever. There's, there's so much human weakness and, and, and you see so many ups and downs in this, but, but he's sustained by the Lord. And, and he's this guy that, you know, you needed this guy who was, who was a guy that was, that was powerful and could boom and, and it helps it. You know, he was a well-prepared instrument of the Lord to get the Reformation rolling, but, but he, his ups and downs are so relatable. And so I just, I think, you know, we just, you just, just look into some of the heroes of the faith. Athanasius, I mean, I, <laughs> him being over and over again exiled over the defense of the Incarnation. Uh, the level of persecution and suffering the servants of the Lord have gone through in history, not to mention all the men that you can find in the Bible, but I mean, the servants of the Lord often suffer, and yet, and often have moments of despair, like Elijah, where he, just after this great exaltation, defeating the prophets of Baal, you know, is, is bemoaning the fact that nobody is loyal to God, and God has to tell him, you know, there's 7,000 have not bowed the knee to Baal. And, and so, 
we, we, are, we are so weak as human beings, the way we ride the high hills of the earth, and then in the next moment, we're in the you know, valley of despair. And so our human frailty and weakness tends towards this. And so this is all over the history of the church. And I just want to encourage you all that the Lord sustains us. He maintains our faith. We can't lose it. He will uphold us. If you believe the gospel, if you believe that the scriptures are true, that Jesus Christ paid for your sins, and that he provided you with a righteousness by his perfect obedience, and that covers you so that you're righteous in the sight of God, and the wrath of God is removed from you. If you believe that, then you can't lose that. And, and you will see your faith have the victory to the end. And the Lord will glorify you, and he will raise you up on the last day, and he will give you rewards for every good work that he caused to be born as fruit from you by the power of his own Holy Spirit. Amen. And a couple other notables that suffered with depression. You have Charles Spurgeon, who, uh, yes. who especially battled depression after the tragic deaths of a number of his congregation at the Metropolitan Tabernacle after somebody yes. and during a prank yelled fire into the building and during a stampede uh, there were people who were killed and uh the great hymn- and his great and, and his great fight with the with the with the downgrade movement when he had oh, to, yeah. when he had to leave the Baptist Union, right? I mean his depression during that. So I'm sorry, keep going. And I was just gonna say the great hymn writer William Cooper, which is spelled like Cowper, but it's actually pronounced Cooper. Uh, he is the uh, hymn writer of many precious hymns uh, that we sing in the church. There is a fountain filled with blood and others. Uh, he actually attempted suicide, and uh, God and his amazing providence stopped that from happening, and you could look that up. On the internet, I'm sure you'll find the story somewhere, but it's mind-boggling how amazing that that story was. Uh, so it's not just the average, ordinary, weak Christian who battles these things. There have been great men of God who have also shared in that same suffering. And John, Jonathan Edwards, with him being kicked out of his own church for right. guard the Lord's table, or Augustine as he's struggling through things. If you, if, read the Confessions, right? If, any, if anybody wants to read about the battle for joy, right? Read the Confessions of Augustine and his struggle with sexual sin. I mean, there is there is so much there. Amen. And the author of the hymn "It Is Well with My Soul" after the death of uh, his children in a sea voyage, and uh, you know, there are so many. Um, mm-hmm. we have to go to our final break and this is your last opportunity to send in a question if you have one chrisarnzen at gmail.com c-h-r-i-s-a-r-n-z-e-n at gmail.com don't go away we'll be right back James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries here. If you've watched my Dividing Line webcast often enough, you know I have a great love for getting Bibles and other documents vital to my ministry rebound to preserve and ensure their longevity. And besides that, they feel so good. I'm so delighted I discovered Post Tenebris Lux Bible Rebinding. No radio ad will be long enough to sing their praises sufficiently, but I'll give it a shot. Jeffrey Rice of Post Tenebris Lux is a remarkably gifted craftsman and artisan. All his work is 
is done by hand from the cutting to the pleating of corners to the perimeter stitching. Jeffrey uses the finest in buttery soft imported leathers in a wide variety of gorgeous colors like the turquoise goat skin tanned in Italy used for my Nessie All in 28th edition with a navy blue goat skin inside liner and the electric blue goat skin from a French tannery used to rebind a Reformation study Bible I used as a gift. The silver gilding he added on the page edges has a stunning mirror finish resembling highly polished chrome. Jeffrey will customize your rebinding to your specifications and even emboss your logo into the leather, making whatever he rebinds a one-of-a-kind work of art. For more details on post-Tenebrous Lux Bible Rebinding, go to ptlbiblerebinding.com. That's ptlbiblerebinding.com. Today at thousands of community centers, high schools, middle schools, juvenile institutions, coffee shops, and local hangouts, Long Island Youth for Christ, staff and volunteers meet with young people who need Jesus. We are rural and urban, and we are always about the message of Jesus. Our mission is to have a noticeable spiritual impact on Long Island, New York, by engaging young people in the lifelong journey of following Christ. Long Island Youth for Christ has been a stalwart bedrock ministry since 1959. We have a world-class staff and a proven track record of bringing consistent love and encouragement to youths in need all over the country and around the world. Help honor our history by becoming a part of our future. Volunteer, donate, pray, or all of the above. For details, call Long Island Youth for Christ at 631-385-8333. That's 631-385-8333. Or visit liyfc.org. That's liyfc.org. Hi, I'm Buzz Taylor. Chris Arnzen of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio has had a long-time partnership with our friends at CVBBS, which stands for Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. They specialize in supplying Reformed and Puritan books and Bibles at discount prices that make them affordable for everyone. CVBBS has been a family-owned book service since 1987, operating out of Carlisle, Pennsylvania. They seek to bring you the best available Christian books and Bibles at the best possible prices. Unlike other book sites, they make no effort to provide every book that is available or popular because, frankly, much of what is being printed is not worth your time. That means you can get to the good stuff faster. It also means you don't have to worry about being assaulted by the pornographic, heretical, and otherwise faith-insulting materials promoted by the secular book vendors. Browse the pages at ease, shop at your leisure, and purchase with confidence at Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. Order online at cvbbs.com. That's cvbbs.com. Or you can order by phone at 1-800-656-0231. That's 1-800-656-0231. Please let our friends at CVBBS know that you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. If you love Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, one of the best ways you can help keep the show on the air is by supporting our advertisers. One such faithful advertiser who really believes in what Chris Arnton is doing is Daniel P. Patafuco. 
serious injury lawyer and Christian apologist. Dan is the president and founder of the Historical Bible Society. Their mission? To foster belief in the credibility of Scripture as the written Word of God. They go to various churches, schools, and institutions to publicly display a rare collection of biblical texts, along with a fascinating presentation by Mr. Butterfuco demonstrating the reliability of Scripture. To advance the cause of the gospel, they created a beautiful, perfect facsimile of the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the original engravings contained in a first edition 1611 King James Bible. This 17th century hand-engraved chart shows the family tree of Jesus Christ going back to Adam and Eve. This book is complete with gorgeous full-size illustrations of Noah's Ark and the Tower of Babel and an explanation of why the genealogy of Jesus is so important for his claims to the throne of the universe. Originals of this work are in museums and nobody has ever made it accessible to the public in a large book form before. You can have your own copy of this 44-page genealogy book for a donation of $35 or more. Visit historicalbiblesociety.org. That's historicalbiblesociety.org. Thanks for helping to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. I'm Dr. Tony Costa, Professor of Apologetics and Islam at Toronto Baptist Seminary. I'm thrilled to introduce to you a church where I've been invited to speak and have grown to love, Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, Long Island, New York, pastored by Rich Jensen and Christopher McDowell. It's such a joy to witness and experience fellowship with people of God like the dear saints at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, who have an intensely passionate desire to continue digging deeper and deeper into the unfathomable riches of Christ in His Holy Word, and to enthusiastically proclaim Christ Jesus the King and His doctrines of sovereign grace in Suffolk County, Long Island, and beyond. I hope you also have the privilege of discovering this precious congregation and receive the blessing of being showered by their love, as I have. For more information on Hope Reformed Baptist Church, go to Hope Reformed. Li.net. That's hopereformedli.net. Or call 631 696 5711. That's 631 696 5711. Tell the folks at Hope Reformed Baptist Church of Quorum, Long Island, New York that you heard about them from Tony Costa on Iron Sharpens Iron. When Iron Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005, the publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. I'm Dr. Joe Moorcraft, pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church in Cumming, Georgia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Anthony Uvino, founder of TheReformRookie.com and co-founder of New York Apologetics, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. 
I'm Pastor Tim Bushong of Syracuse Baptist Church in Syracuse, Indiana, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Eli Ayala, founder of Revealed Apologetics and staff member with the Historical Bible Society, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Josh Miller of Grace Bible Fellowship Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Joe Bianchi, president of Calvary Press Publishing in Greenville, South Carolina, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Jake Korn of Switzerland Community Church in Switzerland, Florida, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order. President of the SecureCom Group and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing, and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit securecomgroup.com. That's securecomgroup.com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. And we thank Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group so much for recently renewing his annual advertising contract on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Please, if you need security for whatever building in which you live, work, or worship, go to securecomgroup.com, securecomgroup.com, and mention Iron Trippin' Zion Radio. Also, I want to remind you that this program is paid for in part by the law firm of Buttafuoco and Associates. My dear friend Daniel P. Buttafuoco, attorney at law, has been financially supporting not only my radio show since its very inception in 2005, but every single work of ministry that I am involved in, including my public debates and conferences that I arrange, 
Uh, Dan is always in the background providing the necessary financial resources. So please, if you're the victim of a very serious personal injury or medical malpractice, no matter where you live in the United States, call Dan Buttafuoco's toll-free number, 1-800-NOW-HURT, 1-800-NOW-HURT, or visit his website, 1-800-NOW-HURT.com, 1-800-NOW-HURT.com. Make sure you mention Chris Arnson of Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. Last but not least, if you are a man in ministry leadership, whether you are a pastor, elder, deacon, parachurch leader, and uh, you would love to come to my next Iron Sharp and Zion Radio free pastor's luncheon, you are invited, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, as long as you can get to Perry County, Pennsylvania. I would love to have you there on Thursday, June the 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., a Church of the Living Christ in Loysville, Pennsylvania, which is Perry County. And my guest speaker for the very first time is Dr. Joel Beakey, founder and president of Puritan Reform Theological Seminary. And not only do you get free admission and a free meal and a free fun time of rest, relaxation, and fellowship, you will also receive a very heavy sack of free brand-new books personally selected by me and donated by generous publishers all over the United States and United Kingdom. So if you can be in Perry County, Pennsylvania, on Thursday, June the 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., send me an email, thechrisarnson at gmail.com, and put Pastor's Luncheon in the subject line. And remember, folks, this is for men and ministry only. We're now back with uh, David Reese. And before the time escapes us, I would like you, uh, before I go to any other listener questions, to provide for us some of the the primary uh, the additional primary reasons why you wanted to address the subject today. Well, on a, on a basic level, I think that uh, joy is extremely important for our witness, but also for us to see God as good ourselves, and we need to uh, we need to rejoice in our salvation. We need to rejoice in the gospel. We need to have a strong assurance of salvation so that we can be in a joyful condition that's stable. We need to have hope that we can have victory uh, over the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that God will glorify himself, that dominion will be exercised, that that there will be a a completing of the Great Commission, and that the law of God is a, a set of instruction as a lamp unto our feet for the good life, the joyful life. And And I think that those things all work together to give us a sense that that uh, there is this way that God has given us instruction to know that He as the good, if we possess Him, and we we you know don't have a spiritual harlotry where we're chasing after false gods, false goods, that that is the the path to to joy. And we can't do that perfectly, and so we need salvation. And so this idea of the gospel there, and so God is tied up in. Uh, giving us joy and and his glory um, is, is theirs, not only for the world to see, but also for us ourselves, that if we see God as glorious as he is, the way in which the possession of him is going to bring us joy. So I think this is for everybody's good, but it's also for the glory of God. And that's one of the joyful things, that God is a wise God who is designed his goal of glorifying himself to be interwoven with the good of the elect angels and the good of elect human beings that are object of his mercy. Amen. Uh, we have either angel or on hell. 
in Walnut Park, California, who wants to know, can you recommend any good Christian books that involve a Christian overcoming or having victory over misery and depression? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Jay Adams is the the best single author on Christian counseling. Um, and, And I think because, one, it's very modern, and two, it's very focused on um, on the idea of of the sufficiency of Scripture. So the reason I mentioned modernity is the ease with which he writes, and it could be read as he's a clear, concise writer. Um, and and at the same time, he very often points forward to uh, to to the, the need of applying Scripture. So there's a really fantastic book he's written called How uh, How to Help People Change, um, which which deals with the idea that you know depression is principally about sin and the need to put off sin and then to go put on uh, good work. And so he, he really, that book is magnificent and short and a longer one that deals with trying to deal with more um, deeply embedded problems and trying to deal with things in a longer way is the uh, Christian counselor's manual that he's done. Um, now, those are, those are books that are very specifically about how to counsel and you can apply that to yourself. But I, I would also say that, what we need to realize is the way that we overcome the way that we overcome depression or melancholy is by believing the truths that God has revealed and preaching them to ourselves, giving thanks to God, giving praise to God and going and doing good work to his glory. And, and so I have had many a time where, um, you know, I've had to argue with myself and then I pray and I, I lay my burdens on the Lord and through the mediation of Christ. And then I, I give thanks to God for things that have been in the past, and I sing a psalm. And, and you know, that God gave us a book of songs to sing in the middle of the Bible, and many of them had to do with things like you know, saying our laments to God. Um, and, and so I think that, that one of the neat things is the, you know, the, the Psalter the, the, in the middle of the Bible it has you know, this ability to lay our complaints to God in a way that we might not feel like we know how to do otherwise. Um, so there's a free Psalter at PuritanPHX.com. Uh, you, can, you can find one of the resources um, that we have there in case you don't know. How to do this. There's a PDF for free to be able to, to sing the Psalms. Uh, but I think those, those things, I and mean, then going finding good work to do, those are the main things. You know, according to the law of God, you apply the law of God to do good work. Those are things that will, that will lift depression. And um, I, I really want to encourage people to think about that. And the covenant institutions are where the, place, the, the loci of the work doing good work to build up your estate, doing good work as a part of your household, doing, your good, doing work to, to advance the church and to seek to do your duties to care for yourself as an individual. And, and we, we obsess over politics as though the state can fix everything. And so, you know, as Christian citizens, we want to understand Christian government, but a lot of our time needs to be spent focused on the most local elements of all those things. Amen. And I'd like to throw out some recommendations myself. Uh, every time I hear about somebody suffering, I go to cvbbs.com, Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service, and I order either online or go there personally, right here in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and I pick up a copy of Trusting God Even When Life Hurts, and uh, I also uh, pick up a copy of uh, R.C. Sproul's Surprised by Suffering, and um uh, I will get back to the author of Trusting God Even When Life Hurts because it's 62 years old. I'm having one of those Alzheimer's moments. Um, 
Oh, Jeff, uh, Jerry Bridges. I'm sorry. How could I forget Jerry Bridges? The Bridges. Late, the late Jerry Bridges. Trust in God, even when life hurts, and R.C. Sproul surprised by suffering. And also, uh, if you go to solid-grand-books.com, Be Still My Soul, Embracing God's Purpose and Provision and Suffering, edited by Nancy Guthrie with contributions by Sinclair Ferguson, J.I. Packer, R.C. Sproul, John Newton, and more. And they uh, they have a number of books, if you go to solid-grand-books.com, uh, that you can choose from uh, that are right along the lines of what we are talking about today. A Majesty and Misery, Sermons on the Passion and Death of Our Lord by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Uh, Songs of Suffering, 25 Hymns and Devotions for Weary Souls uh, by Johnny Erickson Tata. And uh, I could go on and on and on. Go to solid-ground-books.com, solid-ground-books.com. Well, I want you now to summarize what you most want etched in the hearts and minds of our listeners today before we go off the air. The, the, the solution to our misery is what the work of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished. He has paid for our guilt. He has given us his righteousness by grace alone, through faith alone, in his work alone. And I want to encourage you to lay your burdens on the Lord by praying to the Father in the name of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and to cast your burdens on God and to ask him to care for them, to not be anxious because of what's going on, and and to know that God is sovereign, and to know that he cares and he provides, and to know that there is a hope for accomplishing the work and that you will not be lost, that God will hold you. If you believe the gospel, you will not be lost. You can never lose your faith, and you will never be lost. And so that idea, and so out of gratitude now, I want to encourage you to go forward to do good works, and that's the good and joyful life, and that's how, that's the life that you will rejoice in the salvation that you have. And so I want to encourage you, if there's some besetting sin, to go look at Psalm 51 and repent of your sin and to ask for forgiveness from the Father in the name of the Son, and to just to, to look to the work of Christ for assurance and to go and sin no more. That, that that idea of our assurance of our salvation and the hope that we have that we will not lose, I want to put that out there, and, and that is the solution to despondency. Amen. Well, I want to make sure our listeners have the contact information uh, to get a hold of you, not only at your church, uh, but also at your business. Uh, let me start with the business, where my guest today, David Reese, is the CEO. Uh, the website for Armored Republic, very easy to remember, is armoredrepublic.com, armoredrepublic.com. And also uh, the website for the church, where my guest, David Reese, serves as the pastor, Puritan Reformed Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, that uh, website is puritanphx.com. That's Puritan, and then the abbreviation for Phoenix, PHX, puritanphx.com. I also want to remind our listeners once again, if you are man in ministry leadership, we would love to have you join us at the next free biannual Iron Sharpens Iron Radio Pastors Luncheon on Thursday, June the 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Church of the Living Christ in Loysville, Pennsylvania, Featuring guest speaker, uh, Dr. Joel Beakey, founder and president of Puritan Reform Theological Seminary. If you want to register for free, just send me an email to chrisarnzen at gmail.com. 
C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. And as always, uh, make sure you give us all of your contact information uh, that we uh, can store and, and have your registration recorded. Uh, also, uh, folks, uh, please remember to pray for Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Uh, we are reaching a point where we are getting uh, a bit uh, nervous about our finances, and I know that we are commanded by Christ to be anxious for nothing. But uh, we uh, still covet your prayers for our financial situation and hope that if anybody listening uh, can donate to us without taking any money away from your own church uh, giving and your own dinner table, uh, we would love to receive any gift that you care to give. We go to irontrepanzineradio.com, click support, then click click to donate. Now, and if you want to advertise with us, Send us an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put advertising in the subject line. Well, Pastor David Reese, it's always a joy. I look forward to your return to the program actually next Friday. Looking forward to uh, hearing from you again on February 9th. And I look forward, for many, look forward to many frequent future returns from you. I want you all to always remember for the rest of your lives that Jesus Christ is a far greater Savior than you are a sinner. <laughs>